Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio, a hands-free ABB extension. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Brown, Managing Editor of Audio for the Angus Beef Bulletin. These are the three new front page articles in the October 4th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can find these online at angusbeefbulletin.com extra. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. Let's get started. Four decades devoted to cattlemen. Randy Block recognized as the 2022 Industry Achievement Award winner at Feeding Quality Forum by Morgan Becker with Certified Angus Beef. In 1980, Randy Block put his Colorado State University animal science degree to work at Cattlefax as a market analyst. It was a way to help bring value back to the family ranch near Yuma, Colorado, where he would soon return. I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to spend a couple of years learning, he says. But Cattlefax became a channel for his career passion, which has now served the beef industry for more than 40 years. Honestly, I just fell in love with my work and the rest is history always focused on the data and how it can deliver solutions, the decades of work earned Block a second nature understanding of the market and all that affects it. Intuition, experience, and a growing database give him the tools to show producers what the market demands. Their bottom line consistently guides his company and personal mission to help beef producers remain profitable, doing what they do best. That kind of servant leadership earned Block the 2022 Certified Angus Beef Industry Achievement Award. A product of his environment, mentors and board members guided him along the way. Block was an analyst for 21 years until the original Cattlefax CEO and 2014 Industry Achievement Award honoree Topper Thorpe retired in 2001. Assuming the role of CEO, Block searched for ways to expand and improve Cattlefax and the results it produced for clients. The staff went from merely reporting to delivering decision-friendly data. After 26 years with Cattlefax, Mike Murphy sees the difference in clientele relationships from then to now. Randy took us to another level in terms of the intimacy of how we work with our clientele, says Murphy, Chief Operating Officer. Everything Randy does is more about the Cattlefax brand than it is about him. It was always about the work and being able to help people and support them, Block says. It's been a love to be able to do that, serve the customer, hopefully keep them on the land by helping them make one or two more good decisions on an annual basis. He gives much of the credit to his support system at home. What's truly important about Randy is that he's a teacher, said his wife, Karen. He's able to share his knowledge and help future generations understand what's going to take to be successful in the world they're living in. There's always another challenge ahead, Block says. Always up for that, he recognizes a kindred team and looks toward the future. I've been blessed to work with a very talented staff and the same company all these years. I feel like my tank's still full. Block was recognized at the 2022 Feeding Quality Forum in Kansas City, August 23rd. Editor's note, Morgan Becker is the producer communications manager at Certified Angus Beef. La Nina departure delayed, but it's coming. Late winter and early spring 2023 are shaping up to be wintry and wet by Troy Smith, field editor. Weatherman Don Day says the long-term forecast includes a mixture of good news and bad. Actually, it's mostly good news for agriculture in the central and western United States. Day predicts the persistent period of drought will wind down in coming months, thanks to fading La Nina weather patterns. The bad news is that cattle producers must be patient a little bit longer. The lingering effects of La Nina could torment a big chunk of cow country for the remainder of 2022. 
Day is president and chief meteorologist for Day Weather Inc., headquartered in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Day Weather provides customized weather broadcast services with an agricultural bent to some 70 radio stations serving the high plains and front range of the Rocky Mountains. Day recently shared his weather predictions for the western United States with a mostly ranch-oriented audience gathered for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Gudmundson Sandhills Laboratory Open House, hosted at the research ranch near Whitman, Nebraska. Day explained La Nina is a phenomenon characterized by cool sea surface temperatures in the South Pacific between South America and Australia. When ocean temperatures are lower there, less moisture is going into the air headed toward the United States. That means there's less atmospheric moisture over the continent to turn into rain and snow. Cooler than normal sea surface temperatures in the tropics is the classic La Nina signature, explained Day. When they cool even half a degree, one degree or two degrees Celsius, that is enough to completely upend precipitation patterns in the western and central United States and in South America too. Day emphasized with his Central Plains audience, claiming there is nothing good about La Nina for this part of the country. Warmer than average temperatures, lower than average moisture, and persistent wind ultimately take a toll on land devoted to grazing and hay production. These same La Nina effects can be particularly pronounced in southwestern states, too, and often extend into southeastern and mid-Atlantic regions. Unfortunately, La Nina is going to continue through fall and early winter, predicted Day, noting that it will be influencing a third winter season. He called it rare for La Nina to last beyond two years. This will be the third time since 1950. While some forecasts have taken a pessimistic tone and focused on the negative implications of a three-year La Nina, Day is more optimistic. A little less reliant on computer modeling, Day's forecasting technique also relies on historical weather patterns, as well as trending global conditions. He cited changes in solar activity that should influence warming of those South Pacific waters. Day's process suggests that while this La Nina has been stubborn, it is likely to end before winter is over. A more favorable El Nino pattern could be in place by spring. Maybe. The fall and early winter will still be in a La Nina pattern, warmer and drier than usual. But as we go out of La Nina into what we call neutral conditions, it's a bit of a wild card, cautions day, indicating that weather could be variable. Collectively, signals suggest that, in the absence of La Nina, the second half of winter could be colder with more precipitation events. In January and February, there could be periods of real winter in store for central and northern parts of the United States. Areas east of the Continental Divide are likely to be the most wintry. Where I think we're going to benefit is on the backside, which means we most likely could have a much better March, a much better April, and a much better May than in the last two years, said Day, predicting better opportunities for more normal moisture patterns. What I think you're going to see on the drought monitor is a shrinking of drought conditions next spring, added Day. In the northern and central plains, you'll see improvement in Nebraska, Wyoming, and Colorado, then into Kansas, but not getting into Oklahoma, Texas, and the southwest, or California and the Great Basin till the 23-24 season. Editor's note, Troy Smith is a freelance writer and cattleman from Sargent, Nebraska. Off-farm income increasingly important for ag rural economy. The majority of America's farm households now rely on jobs and income outside of agriculture. 
U.S. farmers and ranchers' increasing dependence on off-farm employment and income reveals the growing economic interconnection of rural communities and surrounding cities. According to a study by researchers at the University of Missouri, 82% of U.S. farm household income now comes from off-farm sources. The study was commissioned by CoBank and completed in partnership with CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. Most farmers cited reliable income as the top reason for off-farm employment, as one half of farm households have negative farm income in a typical year. Health and retirement benefits were also cited as key reasons for off-farm jobs within farm households. Among the study's key findings is rural communities have increasingly diverse economies, and success within a rural community's ag sector is largely dependent on other sectors of the regional economy at large. Today, only 6.5% of workers in rural counties are employed in agriculture, compared to 15.4% in 1970. The largest single source of employment in rural areas is the service sector, which accounts for 57.4% of all jobs. The majority of residents in farm-dependent counties are commuting to jobs outside of their home counties. As a result, rural and urban communities have grown economically closer as workers and businesses engage with each other across multiple counties. The rural economy has become more diverse and more complex than it was even 15 years ago, said Dan Kowalski, vice president of CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. What that means for those of us who serve rural communities is we have to evolve our understanding of what fuels rural economies and what these communities need to succeed and thrive. In many cases, the historical concept of rural no longer applies. The 2019 population of non-metro or rural counties was 46 million, or 14% of the U.S. population. Most of that population, 30 million, or 65%, lived in counties adjacent to metro areas. The close ties between metro and non-metro counties reflects how the nation's urban and rural communities have grown economically and geographically closer during the past 50 years. Population loss has been a challenge for counties that have remained farm-dependent and have been less able to diversify their economies. Counties that were farm-dependent in 2015 have seen population decline by 4% from 1974 to 2019 on average. Conversely, counties that were not farm-dependent in 2015 had grown 55% population during the same period. Off-farm jobs are especially critical for young and beginning farmers as they begin their business. Debt-to-asset ratio analysis and other research shows that off-farm jobs reduce financial risks, which is especially important for younger farmers who face higher debt needs as they grow their business. The study concludes that economically resilient rural communities have regionally connected workforces and diverse industries to support a range of employment opportunities. These communities are better positioned to sustain young farmers and principal operators alike. Read the whole report, The Importance of Off-Farm Income to the Agricultural Economy. You can find that on the article online. Editor's note, this article is provided by CoBank's Knowledge Exchange Division.